Thanks for listening to Sex with Emily. I'm Dr. Emily, and on today's show, I'm giving you a sexy dose of love in the time of coronavirus. Right now, things are really uncertain, but what we are certain about is the people who love us, right? That's become apparent, like our friends, our family, our partners. So I'm here to give you some peace of mind on how to use this time to your advantage. Plus, as always, I'm answering your sex and relationship questions. Topics include, what better time than the present to get some self-love exploration on or connect with your partner? Why you should be having relationship check-ins regardless of where you're at in your relationship? Ways to connect sexually even if you're not in the same room? And tips for feeling more connected to your own sexuality? All this and more. Thanks for listening. I'm going to draw back the curtain for a second on what it's like to be famous. First, everyone knows your name. They're constantly talking and writing about how great you make them feel, and everyone wants to get super intimate with you. Personally, I don't think I could take that pressure, but Magic Wand handles it like a pro. You see, Magic Wand is by far the most famous pleasure product in the world, and for good reason. It's freaking incredible. For more than 50 years, it's been the must-have vibrator, and it's still the best-selling massage wand in the world. We're now talking about generations of women who've enjoyed the Magic Wand. Now that's fame. In fact, it's not just vulva owners. I've been getting calls from penis owners who also are loving the infamous vibes. Today, you've got three great magic wands to choose from. Of course, you can buy the original, the one that started it all, or the Plus, a multi-speed plug-in, or the rechargeable, which cuts the cord and features multiple vibration patterns. All three full-size wands deliver the same legendary power and historic pleasure. Please just take it from me. Magic wands are the only celebrities you should be stalking. You can see them all and get one for yourself at sexwithemily.com slash magic wand. That's my site, sexwithemily.com slash magic wand. Look into his eyes. They're the eyes of a man obsessed by sex. Eyes that mock our sacred institutions. Bedroom eyes, they call them in a bygone. Hey, Emily, you got a boyfriend? Because uh, my man E here, he just got his heart broken. He thinks you're kind of cute. The girl's got to have her standards. Oh, my. Do women know about shrinkage? Isn't it common knowledge? What do you mean, like laundry? It shrinks? Can we not talk about sex so much? Are you kidding me? Oh, my God, I feel so good. Being bad feels pretty good. Well, you know, Emily's not the kind of girl you just play with. You're listening to Sex with Emily. We're talking about sex, relationships, and everything in between. For more information, check out sexwithemily.com. Find us on all social media. It is Sex with Emily across the board. And you guys know that we are here for you, Sex with Emily and my entire team, to help you during this uh, quarantine time. We need a sexier name for it, don't we? But we're all at home. We're quarantining. There's a lot more coming up, a lot more questions, a lot of things about relationships, connection. So we are here. We're doing more lives on all of our social streams, which is, again, Sex with Emily, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can always send us your questions, feedback at sexwithemily.com. We love you, and we're here for you, and everyone stay safe. All right, intentions for this show. As you know, I start each show with an intention, and I encourage you to do the same It really helps. So it's like if you think about and you get specific, like what do I want to get out of this episode? It could just be a Emily. I've been home with my partner and we really need to keep this connection strong. It has been challenging. Or maybe it's like I've been home for so many days and I need some new content, Emily, help. My intention is to give you some tools and some tips to keep your relationship strong and healthy during this just super 
odd time that we find ourselves in and to keep the fires burning, whether it's your own internal flame or with a lover. Let's get into one of my favorite topics, always one of my topics. And right now, more than ever, why sex and masturbation are so important right now. Some people have concerns about swapping fluids right now, swapping all your bodily juices. I get it. But whether you're single or dating or you're living with your partner, having an orgasm is a great way to keep your immune systems up and your stress levels down. First, let me say this. If you're worried about spreading it, and you might have already figured this out by now or checked this out, people want to know, can I have sex with COVID-19 spreading? Here's how. So The virus can be transmitted through direct contact with someone's saliva or mucus. If you are with a partner and they're infected, you should not have any sexual contact with them at all. Just like if they had the flu, you wouldn't have any kind of regular flu. But if you are quarantining with someone and you guys have been in the same house for a while, still take the precautions of washing your hands and all those things, but it is okay. Your first safest sex partner is yourself. Remember, masturbation is sex with someone you love. And the next safest partner is someone you live with. So those are the official rules, uh, the official guidelines. Okay, so the thing about sex and masturbation, it does boost your immune system. And we're all about boosting our immune system right now. It lowers your blood pressure, having an orgasm and just having touch. And it does release all of those feel-good hormones that actually boost our overall mood, oxytocin, dopamine, serotonin. And you guys, Sex and orgasms are actually good for you. They are mood boosters. It is true. Like I I know that I'm eating like more greens and I'm taking like immunity supplements and I'm really trying to, you know, I am washing my hands, I'm exercising, I'm sleeping well, but let's not forget orgasms. They do really touch. It releases feel-good hormones that boost our overall mood, oxytocin, dopamine, serotonin, and hey, people who have sex weekly are happier than those who have it less frequently. Um, studies have shown that sex stimulates growth hormones in the area of brain that helps you with long-term memory and cognitive functions. And it also helps you. It's also a natural pain reliever, you guys. I think we all know, like nobody's ever said like, Emily, why'd you talk me into masturbating? Or why'd you talk me into having sex with my partner? It really sucked. I mean, I mean, now is really like, especially if you're, you know, let's talk about masturbation. If you're alone, it's funny. I've been hearing from a lot of men during this. You guys have been messaging me on Instagram and Twitter and all the places. And you've been letting me know that, you know, you, you have some concerns about actually masturbating too much. And that's the other end of the spectrum, which we can get into. But I feel like there's a lot of women that when we're stressed, we just don't go right to our vulva. We're not like, let me masturbate. Let me touch myself. It's really important for women to continue to touch yourself, love yourself, take baths, do all that self-love stuff that might seem kind of like, you know, self-care and all those things, taking a bath, even just touching yourself and, um, you know, giving, giving love, giving yourself orgasms. It really helps. And then it becomes kind of thing, kind of like exercise that we've, we think that it's such a pain in the ass. And then once we start exercising again, we almost can't stop. We're like, we do it one day and then the next day. And then we're like, oh, I can't believe I never exercised. Like sometimes the hardest part is getting on your shoes, getting out the door. Well, the same things goes for a healthy masturbation routine. And it also helps you guys with anxiety, just so you know that, that the activity of the brains that regulate anxiety, the hippocampus, the amygdala, they both shut down 
uh, during orgasmic experiences. So all your negative thoughts, all the negative self-talk, all the worries, you'll have a little reprieve. You'll have a little vacation from all the worry if you have an orgasm and you play with yourself and you figure out what makes you feel good. Kind of like meditation and yoga. So here's the four stages of sexual excitement for women. It's the sexual excitement stage. So this is the stage where we get excited about sexual activity. And that starts to like increase our heart rate, our blood pressure, and we get like a healthy glow from just like thinking about sex. And then that increases oxygen to our skin, which also helps us, you guys. We need some blood flow right now. And it helps flush toxins from our, from our skin and from our body. So the next stage is the arousal stage. And that's where we have heightened blood flow. We get muscle tension and we start to feel that like tension through our body. The third stage is orgasm. So this is the shortest stage for women. It can last only a few seconds or a minute, but there is a powerful release of sexual tension. So our muscles are tensing at first and then they relax. And then we get this rush of hormones. It rushes through our body and it kind of helps us like oxygenate our blood. And that's where all the good stuff happens. Now, these, these sensations from orgasm are available to women who experience orgasm without a partner. You don't need a partner. You don't need a partner to feel this good. You can use a toy. You can use the shower head. You can do whatever you need. That helps you get there. But I think if you haven't been having orgasms, you haven't been having pleasure, we all have time now. Isn't it interesting that all the things that we used to tell ourselves we don't have time for, we don't have that excuse anymore. So the last stage of, of arousal is the resolution stage. And that's when everything kind of returns to the baseline. Hormones and oxygen, those are still making us feel good. But sometimes after we get to this, this third stage, after orgasm, we might be realizing that we can actually go again. So I believe that many women have the potential for multiple orgasms. We just don't ever pursue it. We just think, oh, I've only had one and that feels pretty good. I'm out. But I can tell you that I thought I was only could only have one orgasm until I decided to make it my mission. And it was part of my journey of starting Sex with Emily and learning all these things that I teach you is that, oh, I can have many orgasms. So that's your little orgasm uh, encouragement. A lot of guys are like, am I masturbating too much right now? And I get it. You're alone in your room. Porn is readily available. But again, if you're doing something eight hours a day and you used to be doing it for 10 minutes a day, I would say that there is a challenge here. There is a problem. Are you a sex addict? Is your life ruined? No. But if you realize that it's just too much, like just like watching too much TV or eating too much, then it's something you might want to regulate and say, you know what? Right now, what do I really want in this moment? Because sometimes when we do something excessively, like we're masturbating eight hours a day, or we are excessively eating, or or we're shopping online, it's because we are masking some underlying stress or anxiety. And so the best thing to do is to examine, like, what feeling am I trying to mask right now by masturbation? It could be some sadness. It could be loneliness. It could be worry. Get into those feelings and emotions, even though they're really, really hard. I get it. But typically, we're masking something else. and Again, this is not the time to beat ourselves up. Like you're not going to die from too much masturbation. So I really wouldn't worry about it. We, things are in flux right now. I'm just saying it's a sign. It's a sign that there's something else that we're not paying attention to. And there are other tips for masturbation. We have plenty on our website. That's the other thing, you guys. If you've just been like, you know what? I just like to listen to Sex with Emily. I don't have time to read her website. Well, child, the blogs and the posts, things we have there. We've got 15 years of really great material on all the things we talk about on the show, how to have a multiple orgasm, different masturbation techniques for men and for women. So check that out at sexwithemily.com. All right. 
sex, orgasms, masturbation. There's another thing, you guys. For people in times of high stress and anxiety, that actually causes some people's libidos to skyrocket. So, you and you might feel guilty about it because some people are like, God, the world's on fire. How could you possibly want to have sex right now? But it's that attitude that some people are like, I'm super horny. Like, it's kind of like the more we try to push it down, sometimes it gets more intense. So it doesn't really mean that it makes its wants less. So if you're like, what well, Emily, and you're listening, it's going, I want it all the time. There's actually nothing wrong with that at all. It could be because you're feeling more vulnerable. Sometimes your brain could be saying, I'm never going to have sex again. I might as well do it all. I might as well do it all the time right now. So no matter where you are right now, whether you're not interested in sex at all or you're wanting too much, I think just being aware, being healthy, washing your hands, making sure that you are having sex with somebody that is safe right now and um, you're taking care of yourself. And I think it's a great time to do some internal explorations as well. And if you feel like you are repetitively masturbating or having sex in a way that starts to seem obsessive, try to get some new, it's kind of like how they say you should cross train, right? Like I used to be a runner. I was running all the time. I was running marathons and people, this is when I first heard cross training. And they're like, but you really need to stretch and you really need to do yoga and you really need to lift weights to kind of balance it out. And I was like, fuck that. I don't enjoy any of that. I just like to run. It's so therapeutic. Well, it wasn't until something happened, like I blew out my knee that I was like, oh, I get it now. And then working in like stretching my muscles so that I could be a better runner, lifting weights so I was stronger and I could run faster. Like I didn't get it until there was a problem. Well, the same things goes for sex. If you're always masturbating in the exact same way, that's fine. You're going to have your orgasm. You're going to have that orgasm high, like I had my runners high. But to really figure out like, can I tease myself? Can I delay my orgasm? Can I use my imagination instead of just watching porn? Can I use my left hand instead of my right hand? Can I actually explore internally? If you're a woman, like, let me go inside of like my vulva. Let me go inside my vagina and see, like, check out some other nerve endings. If you're a guy, like, oh, I never put my hand on my balls or I've never teased my shaft in this way. I've never used lube. So again, sex, the amazing thing about sex is that it's not linear and there's not only one way to have it and to touch ourselves. And there's so many other paths to pleasure. So I say, if you're getting into a sexual rut, whether it's a, a rut with yourself or with your partner, oh God, what a great time to figure out. And this, this is stuff that will serve you a lifetime, not just in quarantine, how to keep your sex life interesting when you are you know, alone or with a partner for a lifetime. All right. Those are my orgasm tips, guys, and sex tips. It's good for you. Okay. Let's talk about relationships. Maybe you live with your partner, maybe you're in a long-term relationship, or you just started dating someone and you actually are only able to like FaceTime right now or Skype. There's probably a lot coming up right now. Either you intensely miss each other, or again, you're living together and you're having to deal with sharing the same space and figuring out like, how do we, how do we actually share this same apartment, this same home and still like coexist, want to spend time together and work together and have sex. Like, how do we do all this stuff? Especially if we've never, we don't have great communication skills. So I just wanted to cover some basics of communication. Now, this is great skills to have with a lover, with a friend, you know, at work. But I'm going to review with you because these are stuff that we we do not learn in school. We only learn from healthy partners or if you listen to uh, my show or you've been in therapy. So first off, Make sure that you make time for your relationship. I, I used to have like a, um, a spot with a boyfriend. We called it the truth couch. And we had this part of our couch, whenever we had a, 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 something to discuss that was really 
like um, a problem or a confrontation in the relationship, we'd be like, okay, let's go to the truth couch. And even though we always sat on that couch and we would watch TV or we'd eat dinner, when I said truth couch, we would like turn off our phones, we would turn toward each other and we knew this is where we're going to have a conversation. So, you know, like this is where we're not going to get interrupted. It was kind of fun because it was like, okay, truth couch, that just became our thing. So just have a space where you could go where you're not getting interrupted and um, make sure that you guys practice active listening. So when your partner says something, a really great way to do it. And again, you guys, this is a practice. Don't beat yourself up. You could even take notes on this and say, Emily said we should have a location and we should practice this thing called active listening because even I forget to active listen and it is my job to teach you. So well, how you do it is you kind of repeat back what they say. So maybe you're sitting on the truth couch and your partner says like, you know what? Um, they say to you, I really need space sometimes, especially since we're in this house together, you know, all the time. And what your first thought is like, like I'm giving you a lot of space and you never are talking to me since we've been in quarantine. You have all the space you want. What are you talking about? That might be what you want to say. And you might even say it. And it's okay if you say something that you don't mean to. You can go, oh, you know what? I'm sorry. Let me think for a moment. So again, this takes a beat and this is a practice. But what I'm asking you to do is when your partner says, hey, I really need space sometimes, especially since we're always in this house together. What I would encourage you to do is to repeat it back and say, let me, let me, let me repeat this back to you. I heard you say you need some time alone during the day just to yourself while we're in this house together during quarantine. Is that right? Now, by doing that, it gives you a moment to process it, to repeat back and make sure that your partner is feeling hurt. And then they'll say, yeah, that's right. And I feel, what did they say to you? And I feel like I said this to you last week and every time I'm alone in the, in the kitchen, you walk in. Now, this is not the time for you to go, I've never walked in when you're in your kitchen. This is the time where you say, okay, so what I'm hearing you say is we've already agreed to alone time but you have felt when I'm in the kitchen, I've walked in. See what I mean? So you're slowing it down and they could say, well, it was just that one time we were in the kitchen. And then this really allows us to allow them to have their part. And then you could, you guys kind of get into problem solving mode because you both want the same things, right? I believe that when we talk to our partners and we have confrontations or we or bring up something, it's never easy to bring up. We want to get to a resolution. And remember, compromise is a big part of this. So then you just kind of set some rules and guidelines here. You say, okay, so, you know, these days from one to two, when you're in the kitchen, I'll make sure I don't come in here. But then, and then you get to talk and then you get to say, okay, I understand that you need time and space. What I need from you is this. And then they do the same thing back. They repeat back. And so I think that's just a great like beginners, like how do I, you know, how do you communicate in a healthy way? The other thing you want to do, I'm just going to give you one or two tips now, and I'm going to continue to be doing podcasts for you. But the other thing is, and this is like, use I statements, whatever you, you never pick up your clothes. You never give me space. You haven't done the dishes. The second you say you to somebody, they are completely on the defensive. But when you use I words followed by feeling words, like I feel I feel when the house is a mess, I'm not able to actually focus on other things. It makes me feel like I'm the only one doing things around here. You know, all of your real I feelings, your I words and your feeling words, people can't argue with that. They can't say you can't feel that way. They can't say you feel just, you don't feel disrespectful. No one can argue with your feelings. So repeating back what your partner says and using I statements are some great ways to kind of get through um, compromise and um, healthy communication because we don't know how long we're going to be at home. 
Okay, if you live together, then also make a relationship check-in. Like how how is your mental health going? How is it going working? And maybe just before you get into conflict mode, maybe you don't need the truth couch, but how is your mental health? How is it working in the same area together? Like how much space do you need? You know, are there hobbies or new things you want to try together? You know, have you ever taken the love language quiz? That's a really fun thing for couples to do. Like, you know, what is your love language? How do you give an experience love? We have that on our website. A lot of couples like to listen to my podcast together. Like maybe when you're making dinner together, if you haven't done that yet, um, I have for 15 years now, I, I always hear from couples and it seems more and more lately that are like, you know, it's kind of like therapy because you can listen to the show, you can fast forward, you can be like, I heard this on Sex with Emily, and then you don't have to say, hey, I've really been wanting to try this new communication method or this new oral sex skill. You can just blame me and be like, oh, Emily, what, what do you think about what Emily says about you know, licking my shaft during oral sex? Is that something you'd be into? So that's really fun too. That can help facilitate some healthier conversations while we're all at home. All right. If you don't live together, now this can be really challenging. Like how, how is the time apart affecting you? How do you stay connected right now when you are separated? You know, I, I feel like we, we have a lot of information on our site about long distance communication and long distance relationships. And I've actually been saying this for a little while now before the quarantine, that if you are in a long distance relationship or you're separated, there's a lot of great technology right now to kind of help us if you have to be separated. Like I wouldn't have said this five years ago even, but you know, with FaceTime and Skype, but also there's amazing, some great toys right now, which I'm going to get into in a minute, but like there's toys, WeVibe makes toys that connect with an app. That's kind of like a FaceTime app. It's called WeConnect and it launches while you're using the app and your partner can control it. So you can be looking at each other and they're actually, um, they could be controlling the app while you're using it. You could be controlling the app that they're using. They could also have a chat function. So it's actually, I think it's a pretty cool thing. But also with FaceTime and Skype, we could also actually have dates, right? What we can't do is touch each other, smell each other. But you could say, if you're living apart, let's have a, let's not just talk 15 times a day. Maybe that gets exhausting, but we're going to have a date night. Eight o'clock, we're going to talk. We're each going to you know, have our meal. We're going to have a glass of wine. And you could have some actual like conversations that you've been meaning to have. Maybe you fill out the yes, no, maybe list, which is on our website, which is a great tool for couples to kind of look at different sex acts that they want to try. So, you know, it could be like uh, kissing, yes, no, maybe, you know, more kissing, anal, yes, no, maybe. And then you kind of compare, do we each want these things? Don't we want these things? There's some other great questions we have on our website. There's a blog post about like great questions to ask if you want to get to know each other better. The 36 questions that lead to love. So in 2015, there was an article in the New York Times to fall in love with anybody. And, and it was interesting. I have not done it yet to fall in love. I haven't really been in that place because I just haven't. But I bought the book because I wanted to share it with you because it has some really interesting questions that, and I think we did do a blog post about this, but I believe that like, if you're just bored, like, how was your day? Like, after a while, let's be honest, there's not a lot of time. I watch TV. I talked to my mom. I, I I went for a walk outside. But if you want to get deeper and more intimate with a partner, some of the questions are like, what would constitute a perfect day for you? If you were able to live to the age of 90 and retain either the mind or the body of a 30-year-old for the last six years of your life, what would you do? Um, what would you want? Name three things you and your partner appear to have in common. For what in life do you feel the most grateful? If you could change anything about the way you were raised, what would it be? 
So I just think that that these are, again, great ways to enhance intimacy while you're not actually with your partner. Like I'm talking to people every day and I'm just kind of like, okay, what else is there to say here? But if you, you know, we're all going to get out of this quarantine and we're all going to be in the same place again. We're all going to see our partners, but if you're constructive and I'm not saying every conversation has to be like this, but like, if you could figure out more about your partner and go a little bit deeper rather than just staying on the surface of talking about like, you know, what your mom just said to you or what shows you're watching on TV and, and all those things, but actually like, who is this person? Like, I want to know about their values. I want to know if we have the same values. You want to know about their soul. You want to know about religion or how they see living their life in the future. I think that, that if we've been too afraid to have these conversations, because let's be honest, life is really slowed down right now. We all have time to think a lot, to contemplate, to, to do a lot of the things that we just kept putting off. And I believe, I know this actually from hearing from a lot of you that the things that we put off is finding the time and space to have healthy communication with our partners, finding time and space to actually have the conversations that you always ask me about. You know, I always say like, you're like, Emily, how do I tell my partner that I really want to have sex more often? Or how do I tell my partner that, you know, my feelings have been changing or that I want to try something different in the bedroom. And I always say like, do it when you're outside the bedroom, when you are in a relaxed state, when you're just, you know, in a neutral place, in a neutral tone, just kind of like keep be very encouraging, be curious, don't be judgmental. You don't want to be blaming or shaming your partner. So we have plenty of time right now to be in a spot where we can like, hey, you know, I was thinking about this. Like, let's tell me more about the fact that you don't like receiving oral. Like, where did that first start? You know, all the conversations that were like, oh, how come my partner will let me go down on her? Why doesn't he like blowjobs? Or we can have these conversations now. The universe has just given this amazing opportunity to slow way down, to contemplate, to think, to have intimate conversations that will lead to greater intimacy. So I'm excited about that for all of you. I really am. All right, guys, I want to thank you for also supporting our sponsors. Remember, I so appreciate that you support them. And because you're supporting them, they're able to still be in business and we're able to still do the show. So thank you again for supporting them. And I love you all. We're going to take a quick break and we come back. We're going to get into your email questions. You know, those websites and apps you can use to fact check news stories or find out if like a used car was in an accident. But when it comes to sex toys, there are two resources you can trust to find products that are both safe and good. Sex with Emily and Good Vibrations. Good Vibrations is where I first learned about good sex toys, and they're still my go-to resource to check up on new products. They only sell the best toys, lubes, and more from the best brands, and like me, they test everything for you in advance. In fact, you probably heard my good friend Coyote on the show. She's in charge of deciding what they sell and what they don't. I call her the Surgeon General of Sex Toys. If she approves, you know it's good. Good Vibrations has beautiful shops all over the country, an amazing website, and they even power my online store, Shop with Emily. If you haven't checked out a Good Vibrations shop in person, you should. If there's not one nearby, go to sexwithemily.com slash goodvibrations to see what I'm talking about. They carry all my favorite brands that I know will become your favorites too. So before you buy something as personal as a sex toy, check in with Good Vibrations. Just go to sexwithemily.com slash goodvibrations. That's my site, sexwithemily.com slash goodvibrations. All right, guys, I love answering your questions. So keep sending them. If you want a question answered on the show, 
just go to sexwithemily.com, click the Ask Emily tab, fill out the short form, and just check yes if you'd like to be called. You can also send me all your questions and comments to feedback at sexwithemily.com and always include your name, your age, where you live, and how you listen to the show. All right, this is from Sydney25 in New York. Hi, Dr. Emily. I've been in a long-distance relationship because my boyfriend is in the military. Well, this is really relevant right now, right, guys? We're all in long-distance relationships if our partner's uh, apart from us. Lately, every time we video chat, he wants to have Skype sex. Don't get me wrong. I want to as well. However, it's really difficult for me to get turned on when we aren't physically together, mainly because I miss him so much. Do you have any suggestions for how to get over that or ways to help me? It's really important to him, and I don't want to let him down. Any suggestions would be so appreciated. All right. Uh, Sydney, so I like this question. I know we just touched above about, you know, having like Skype sex or FaceTime sex. Let me tell you this. You said in here, Sydney, that it's not that you don't want to have the Skype sex, but you're saying that sometimes you're just not turned on when you're not physically together. And what I'm going to tell you is, first off, you're probably not turned on because you're not aroused yet. You need to let him know what actually turned you on. And it might be 15 minutes of conversation. It might be him sending you some sexy texts. It might be you letting him know what would turn you on when you actually get onto video chat. So I think this is really just a communication thing. And it's okay that you don't want to have sex with them every time you get on the phone. So remember, you guys, we get to set boundaries. And for women, we often don't realize that we don't get turned on the same way that men do. If you're with a man, they typically have like spontaneous desire and arousal. Like he sees you on Skype, there's your face, and he's like, I'm ready to go. I have an erection. I'm hard. Let's go. But for women, many women, we need a little bit more to get turned on. You know, women are slow cookers. Men are frying pans. So like you might have needed to feel connected with him throughout the week. You might have needed some sexy texts from him. You might have wanted to start playing with yourself and touching yourself and had an orgasm to get you already going. You might have wanted to talk to him for five minutes so you felt more connected. Women have more responsive desire. So while he's spontaneous, you're more responsive. Women tend to respond to incoming stimuli. So it's okay that you're not turned on the second you the Skype or the FaceTime goes on, right? And I want to tell that to everybody in quarantine now as well, that if you are, you know, it's okay that you don't want to have sex or Skype sex or phone sex every time you get on the phone with someone. So it's not so much about getting over the fact that you don't want to. It's about letting him know that you have boundaries around it and that you'd like to set some parameters around when you actually have phone sex. And then also ways to keep it interesting could be different positions, different lighting. Maybe you guys read each other erotica or you use some toys, or maybe you do a strip tease for him and you wear something that makes you feel sexy. So I think like, if and especially because a lot of us are faced with only having, you know, phone sex, Skype sex right now, FaceTime sex, that we actually might need to even spice that up. I mean, you guys are always asking me, how do I keep my regular sex interesting with a partner I see all the time? Well, if we are only having sex online right now uh, on our phones, we also have to keep that interesting. So like dirty talk, setting the scenario, coming, switching like bucket list. You each write down three things you want to try and you swap lists. You know, again, for you, Sydney, talking about things you want to try when you actually see each other again could also be really hot. So just the act of talking about it can make everything a lot hotter. All right. This is from Rob, 40 in Canada. Hi, Dr. Emily. So my best friend approached my wife for a threesome, including me, but he didn't speak to me about it. So we are at a party with a lot of other close friends, many drinks, and some, including this best friend, were on recreational drugs. 
some point in the night, he decides to pull my wife to the side and let her know that he has always found her very beautiful and that if we're ever a fantasy of ours to have a threesome with another man, that he'd be honored to share in that. Now, my friend has always been very sexually open and fairly experimental, but the fact that he went to my wife and persisted with this idea has bothered me, considering that she'd given no indication this is something we've ever considered. On top of this, he hasn't spoken to me about it or vice versa. And then the other night, he followed up with some texts explaining when it should happen, mentioned the drugs and toys he was able to supply. Also, one text said, I haven't told Rob and never would. The whole situation irked me. I don't know whether to put it down to drugs slash drink coupled with a very open sexual person or my best friend trying to convince my wife to sleep with him. I'm a big fan of the podcast. Would really appreciate your input on this. I'm mainly very confused. All the best. All right, Rob, 40 in Canada. Here's the deal. Okay, this is not cool at all. I don't care if he's on drugs or he's drunk. This is your best friend. Your best friend approached your wife for a threesome and said not to tell you. And you're such a good guy that you're like, well, maybe it was the drugs. Maybe it was that we were all, he's sexually open. Yeah, yes, the drugs can be a gateway, right? The drugs kind of, we, we have less inhibitions. However, I don't think it's cool at all that he went up to your wife and I actually wouldn't trust him. And also he texted her after. To me, listen, how we do one thing is how we do everything. If he is being this way with your wife, I want to look at your relationship and see, is he really your best friend? Like sometimes we keep friends around because we've known them for a long time. We have a lot of history. We've been through a lot. But would your best friend hit on your wife at a party? And now listen, it's f- I get it. I've done things when I'm drinking that I regret. I'm like, ah, I probably shouldn't have slept with this person or maybe I wouldn't have stayed out this late or all the things. But then he texts her after. So this is continuing to go on and I don't feel great about it. So what I'm telling you is I think you have to confront him and let him know that this relationship doesn't feel great to you anymore because it was really disrespectful that he is your best friend and that he approached your wife in this way. It's one thing if you and your wife decided on your own, like that you were interested in threesome and then maybe you had told your best friend and then like he came up to both of you and was like, hey, I've heard you guys are discussing this. But this is not something that that you guys didn't approach him, which I wouldn't actually recommend bringing a best friend ever into a threesome situation. So basically this is wrong on all levels and I would have some major distrust about this friend. So I would say the best thing to do is to confront him. Again, though, not... And you probably are really, you might want to get really angry and yell at him. But I think just like all my communication tips are to do it in a way that you are calm and you're collected. I think you want to have a call. I don't think you want to do it over text. And you want to have a conversation and just say, that didn't really feel great to me. You confronted my wife and I I think that was disrespectful. Can you tell me more about that? And then have a conversation. But I think this is a friend that you might want to keep at arm's length. Doesn't sound like it feels very good to you, even though you're a very forgiving friend, Rob. Um, I definitely encourage you to have this conversation sooner than later. All right. This is from Michelle, 42 in Connecticut. Dear Emily, I'd love to wear sexy lingerie for my husband, but I find most boudoir lingerie so uncomfortable. It makes me feel totally unsexy. Add in that, I'm very petite, very curvy. You can see why it's hard for me to find sexy lingerie that fits and is comfortable. I'd love some advice on where I can find these unicorns. Thanks so much for your super helpful show. 
All right, Michelle, great question. I was totally in the same boat. I was like, lingerie, I would buy it. And then I was so uncomfortable that I was like, okay, when I'm in the mood for sex, I do not want to pull up garters and then get that little clippy thing around it and then try to do some weird bra thing. I mean, I just think that's, again, something that's created for like the male gaze and doesn't necessarily work for women. So my best advice to you is to get creative and look in your closet. This is what worked for me. I looked at things that I wore that made me feel sexy, like when I'm out in the world. And I found that it was very similar. I could kind of DIY that for lingerie. For example, I always wear tank tops, right? I love a tank top. Well, I ended up getting like longer tank tops that were kind of fit like like a dress. I'm short too. So I'm five two and they kind of go down to like above my knees. And then I would wear like socks, right? Like those cute little like thigh high socks or like sports socks that come above your knee. And I'd wear like a, like a, a, a scarf over that or like a shawl, the like things I could take off, right? Like, so I like I wear a bra underneath a tank or I'd wear my boyfriend's shirts or their boxers. Like for me, it's about layers and showing skin in places where I feel comfortable and I feel sexy. So you could do some like material and you, you'll get like you shawls, scarves, button down shirts, like all those things wear heels. Um, I think that like the stuff that you feel sick, wear a dress that you love, like a sexy dress. Like I have dresses in my closet that I'll buy like oh, maybe one day I'll wear that to a New Year's Eve party or I'll wear it to a crazy Burning Man party if I go back to Burning Man, right? And I don't go back to Burning Man or I have it, but I have those things that are like a fur throw, like a faux fur throw. And so I think that for women, I want to give everyone here permission that we get to define what is sexy because when we lead with confidence in the bedroom and in life, that is the sexiest thing on the planet. I also like the enclosed, which is a lingerie, which is a subscription service where you can go to our website and find it's called The Enclosed and you take a fit and style quiz and every month they send you something that is like a new sexy piece of lingerie and their stuff fits great and it's like high quality, low cost. So check that out. Great question. Thank you, Michelle. This is from Penny49 in Ohio. Hi, Dr. Emily. I've been dating my boyfriend for almost five years. We've lived together for two years now. I'm 49 and he is 42. I'm frustrated because he never initiates sex. He recently told me he's just not interested in sex. I'm not sure what to do. I'm not sure what to do. I would really like some help on this matter. Thank you so much. Okay, Penny, here's the deal. This is super common to live with somebody and to feel like, okay, I'm the one pulling all the weights, actually. I'm the only one initiating or I'm the only one still interested in sex. But here's the thing, he, you really have to talk to him about it because I believe that our partners cannot just opt out of sex. He can't say to you, I'm no longer interested in sex. Now at 49 years old, perhaps he's had a drop in testosterone. Maybe he's really stressed out or anxious, you know, stress, anxiety, worries about money, our careers are all things that can completely kill our sex drive. But when you are in a committed relationship with somebody, we cannot just say, I'm no longer going to do the sex. The sex is something that I'm taking off the table, especially because that's part of why we are, that's part of intimacy and part of connection and part of romance. Otherwise, you're just roommates. So the thing you asked about is he's not just initiating and he's not interested in sex. So I would recommend that if he wants to keep this relationship together, he's got to figure out what it is that would make him be into sex again. Now, you have to also do this in a way that you are a team. What I see couples do often, whether it's the woman who doesn't want sex or the man, is they just say, blame their partner and they're like, fix it. Go get your testosterone fixed. Or for women, go get your hormones checked. 
not only do we feel really alone in something like that, it's really challenging to fix it on our own. So to feel like you have a partner who's like, listen, I understand you haven't been feeling sexual. Let's work on this together and find solutions so we can bring back intimacy and connection. Because I think we can both agree it's a really important part of being in a relationship. So then you could maybe be with him while he makes an appointment and he gets his testosterone checked or he starts meditating or starts working out again or whatever, you know, the things are making him anxious. We got to get to the root of why he is interested in sex. And if he just, if he's then, if he's like, nope, I'm still not interested, I'm not having sex anymore, you know, then you get to decide, is this a relationship that I want to be in? Now, the other thing is about initiation. I'm going to go there because I get that question a lot. I'm the only one that initiates sex, Emily. Why won't my partner initiate? So here's the thing you have to remember about initiating sex. The partner that doesn't initiate sex, so the low desire partner, as we call it, and the high desire partner is the one that's maybe always initiating. Well, the low desire partner is the one that has all the power in the relationship, okay? And the problem is the reason why we don't initiate is because we don't actually have experience doing it. We maybe never, we never had to. We never really thought about it. We were always with someone who wanted more sex than we did, and we didn't have to work that muscle. But just like everything in life, it is a new skill. So helping them in this situation as well, instead of blaming them and saying you never initiate, we assume since we're the initiators, for example, that everyone knows how to initiate, but they don't. It is a skill set that looks different to everybody. So you might let them know, you might let him know, Penny, and say, you know what? I really like when you initiate and here's what it would look like for me. When I'm sitting here on the couch right now, if you leaned over and started kissing my neck really slowly, that I, then I would know that you're in the mood for sex. Or if you sent me a sexy text before you come home and told me what you want to do to me and what I should be wearing, that, that would be really sexy. Or if you just kind of like came up to me and like threw me down on the bed that would be initiation. So giving our partners ideas of what it looks like, then they would be like, oh, I get it now. Because again, this stuff is all, it can be really new territory. It can be really intimidating for our partners. So I think that the best way to, to do it is to have really healthy conversations and communicate you guys. Now, if you're sitting here going, Emily, that is just the least sexy thing on the planet. If I have to tell my partner exactly what it looks like, like this is how you undress me and this is how you kiss me, then I'm not going to be in the mood for it. I'm going to tell you that you are, uh, don't knock it till you try it. And I hear what you're saying. And I used to feel the same way that sex should be something that's just sort of so natural all the time. And it stays amazing. And it just kind of flows in and rises and falls like the sun. And, and we don't have to ever talk about it because it's magic. Sex is magic and it naturally flows. No, that's just actually not true. I wish that were true. But sex, just like everything else in our life, is a practice. And if we don't work at it, we don't practice it, we don't hone it, we don't figure out all the nooks and crannies and the ways to make it work with, a, with our partner, it's just going to die. And it's going to sit there and, and, and your sex life is going to be sitting there in the corner with your exercise bike and all your other your books you haven't read and all the other things. It takes work. It takes commitment. It takes excellent communication. But I think now more than ever, guys, we all got a lot more time and a lot more space. And I think that something that you should all put on your bucket list right now would be looking at your sex life, your intimacy. What's important to me? What kind of sex do I want to be having? What kind of relationship do I want to be in? I think we're all reevaluating our lives right now in ways that we were forced to. The pace of life has slowed down. A lot of us can't leave our homes and we can't really do anything else, but we're in our heads. I think we have to go easy on ourselves, make time for loving ourselves, loving others, and 
you know, put this on top of your list. Like maybe I'll, I'll, I'll actually work on intimacy and love. Um, that's what I'm doing. You guys, I'm never done learning. And I invite you guys to continue on this sex journey with me because I'll be here with you always. And um, thanks everyone for listening. You can find me everywhere right now. I am, as always, Sex with Emily across the board. So all social media, send me your questions. We've been doing more Instagram lives, more Facebook lives. I'll be doing more of those. Twitter, um, I'm here for you. I love hearing from you. We're going to keep going through this time. And for now, you can still buy toys. You can still get things to keep things interesting. People are still shipping. So check all of that out at my shop with Emily page. Business with Emily, you guys can still find me on SiriusXM Radio, Monday through Friday, 5 to 7 p.m. Pacific. They are giving away three months right now, three 90-day trial. If you go to sexwithemily.com slash SXM for new subscribers, which is pretty awesome. Their app is incredible. I don't even have Sirius in my car here, and I just listen to the app all day, every day. If you like the show, you guys, more than ever, please rate us, review us, wherever you're listening to this now, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud. Give us five stars. It helps. Review us on iTunes. Leave us a few nice words. Um, if there's any topics or questions, again, it's feedback at sexwithemily.com. And you guys, we're really, we're finding out new information every single day. So just keep, let me know what you need. We all love you. We're here for you. My awesome team. Thank you to everybody on my team for continuing to work for everybody on this, uh, during this quarantine and during these times. Ken, Kristen, Elisa, Brian, producer Jamie, and Michael. Was it good for you? Email me, feedback at sexwithemily.com. There are plenty of things we'd like to move faster. Traffic, the line at Starbucks, the wait time between seasons of Mrs. Maisel. I love that show. But I'm pretty sure none of us would mind if sex lasted just a little longer. Well, trust me, you guys, because the orgasm gap is real and most couples would love to slow time down when things are getting good. Well, this is where my friends at Promescent can help. Well, they actually can't slow down time yet, but they can help close that orgasm gap. Promescent is an over-the-counter topical treatment that enhances men's ability to last longer. No pills, no prescriptions, and no questionable claims. Developed by urologists, Promescent isn't your typical delay spray. It's absorbed into the skin instead of staying on the surface. So instead of numbing everything, it leaves you with plenty of sensation. Enhancing your experience is easy. Just apply to the underside of the penis before sex. It's FDA compliant and clinically proven to help men last up to 64% longer. That's a long time. Oh yeah, and Promescent has also been working hard on providing you with other great resources and options. So just check out their site to see what they've been up to. You guys, tame that orgasm gap and enhance the time with your partner. Try Promescent for yourself. Go to sexwithemily.com slash enhance. That's my site, sexwithemily.com slash E-N-H-A-N-C-E today.